2: This next hour is all about our walk with
1: Jesus with local pastors, newsmakers, people who are making a difference for the gospel. Now, here is your host, Mike Gilland. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the program, Afternoons with Mike, on the line with me, always excited to talk to my friend Dave Zanotti from the Public Square. Welcome back, Dave. Hi, Mike.
0: It's always a privilege to be with you. Sorry it's been a while, uh, but boy, we have had so much going on.
1: Yeah, you on the country,
0: so it's <laughs> great to be with you again.
1: Kind of a slow news day. Come on, Dave. There's nothing happening. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. It's like every day there's some new thing that causes us all to scratch our heads and go, they they said, What? You you've gotta be kidding me. I mean, the news about inflation now a recession and then the stuff that's gone on in the country from a moral standpoint from everything from the vaccine down to transgender issues. Dave, I, I you know, I'm, I'm hoping that we can somehow get on the other side of this, but it is crazy, isn't it?
0: Well, and I don't think we're going to get on the other side of it, Mike, anytime yeah, soon. I agree. Because there are stru- structural obstacles in our way that have been working their way through our minds and through our system of government. For really about 120 years now, (laughs) it
1: didn't just start, huh?
0: (laughs) No, it didn't just start. Yeah, they are now manifest since the election of Barack Obama, uh, where he was very transparent with us, and particularly in the second inaugural address, he told us flat out that his objective was to radically transform America as we understand it, and he used the term to help us understand what it would be to be a collective state or a collectivist state. Now, that's a fancy word that avoids things like socialist, communist, radical, progressive. Collectivist is a term that people aren't that familiar with, so I think he was trying to sort of ease us into the concept. But now that we're into the third term of the Obama-Biden administration, we're Mm -hmm. now going into 10 years of this, we're now in a situation where we see the rise of the administrative state at a level that is really staggering. In its consequence.
1: It really is. And you know, that's, it's really, uh, I think, on everybody's mind right now, this issue of who actually is leading right now this administration. I think you're uh, coining the phrase, the third administration is really true, because I don't think anybody doubts that Obama is still somewhat pulling some strings, somehow involved. But this whole thing of deep state it is let uh, it's let out of the the bag, so to speak. when Biden makes these comments, they tell me or this is what I can say and that's pretty clear, isn't it, that somebody else is in charge?
0: Well, Mike I've, we've got some mutual friends around the country that do what you do, which is so necessary in doing talk radio from a truth-based perspective. And uh, one of my friends pointed out in Nashville, one of our hosts in Nashville pointed out the other day, Uh, that it doesn't matter who is actually at the microphone standing in front of the seal of the president of the United States. It's the same old John Podesta behind the scenes as chief of staff or appointing the chief of staff at the White House Mm
2: -hmm. because
0: John Podesta and the Center for American Progress has been running the White House in the Clinton administration, the Obama administration, and now Ron Klain, a trustee, of the board of Center for American Progress Action is the chief of staff of Barack Obama. And so you have a uh, George Soros founded in 2003 think tank, founded with John Podesta, one of the biggest consultants and lobbyists in Washington, sitting at the desk, calling the shots, running an administration for now going on to 12 years. Mm -hmm. So it, it should, in fact, it's even longer than that because he was in the Clinton White House. He has been the single most dominant force, and the Center for American Progress is the single most dominant force in American politics for the last 20 years. And this is an organization that is bent on a progressive worldview uh, that includes George Soros's Open Borders Society, his World Without Walls, all of the things that they stand for. Now, this is not a conspiracy. This is in plain sight. You can see on any website, any any Internet search you'll find, the Center for American Progress. You can go and see Ron Klain's desk. You can see John Podesta. Uh, These people are real. They are doing what they believe is their civic duty. They have every right to do it. They're not breaking any laws. This is not a conspiracy. This is plain sight worldview ideology that controls not just this administration, but now the administrative state. And if I can, Mike, I'd love to give you an example of how this actually impacts every one of us right now. Please do. We've had this remarkable, historic repentance, change of mind by the United States Supreme Court, an admission that for 50 years they were peddling a lie in the Roe v. Wade decision. That it wasn't fabricated upon law, it was fabricated on political expedience. And in this admission, this debate about the protection of unborn life has now been given back to the voters, back to the people, and now it's being debated at the state and local levels. Now, in the midst of that, the Biden administration is so furious with what has happened that they have instructed. Health and Human Services to seize upon language that was put into the Affordable Care Act and to move upon the authority that was transferred into the health, for healthcare into HHS with the passage of the Affordable Care Act in 2009 and 10 and what we call Obamacare. Now, that authority has all kinds of things in it where the statements say the secretary of HHS shall do the following, shall do the following, or shall resolve the following conflict. When the United States House and Senate passed the Affordable Care Act, they lifted up huge amounts of authority, decision-making over healthcare decisions, and just plopped it in HHS and never finished the sentences as to how it would actually work. They just dumped it into the secretary's office at HHS. Now we said back in 2009, This is going to prove to be a fundamental disaster because you're going to have bureaucrats making unbelievably personal decisions over people's lives. And you can call an 800 number until you're blue in the face, but no one will be there to help you. We're moving the administration of healthcare into the bureaucracy of Washington, D.C. at levels no one could believe it. No one listened to us in 2009 and 10. Mm -hmm. Now, we read the bill over and over and over again. We said someday we are going to regret the fact nobody read this thing. That day is today. Because Mm -hmm. just a few days ago, the secretary of HHS announced that using the authority of his office through the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, he was going to administrate abortion on demand through all nine months of pregnancy. Through HHS and cancel out any state law that would attempt to do otherwise.
1: Wow. Wow. That phrase you used is a stunner. You said they never fin- finished the sentences. So in other words, Correct. they've kind of created a format that bypasses historical ways of laws going into effect uh, that bypasses state laws and state rights for those laws. And now they actually, you're saying, if I'm hearing you right, they could actually codify by this administrative passage, the, the right for an abortion over.
0: Now you said so much there, Mike, because you used the right term. And let me explain everything for the listeners, because unless you do this for a living, We probably didn't get this data, Uh, but there's there's kind of two sorts of federal law. There's not supposed to be, but there sort of is. The first is the United States Code. Those are the words that Congress debates and passes, and they are recorded as law in the United States Code. Then there are places where Congress passes a law or an appropriation or a program or an entitlement. And they assign the administration of how it's going to work to an agency of the federal government. Those agencies then create administrative code, or in essence, the law on how what Congress said we're supposed to do is going to play out. Many times, Mike, those administrative codes have the same power as something Congress would have voted on, even though Congress never voted on the actual administrative code. And Mm -hmm. so the secretary of HHS and the Biden administration right now is seizing upon that window to say, we're going to use administrative code to cancel out anything we don't like when it comes to abortion at any level. We're going to dictate this is how it's going to go.
1: Mm. And what would they do? What kind of uh, showdown at the OK Corral do you see happening between states who are already saying, like Oklahoma, for example, we talk a lot about Florida and Texas, but Oklahoma is one that is making a stand against not only this issue, but also some of the issues that have to do with uh, school and kind of books that people are reading. They're they're at battle right now with the teachers associations. What kind of showdown do you see happening between states and this HHS?
0: Great question. Here's how it's going to work they're going to say that they will pull all Medicaid and Medicare funding from any institution, organization, corporation, or individual or state that refuses to abide by their abortion administrative code, which is on demand for any reason. So you have a doctor, for example, who's pro-life, who practices at a hospital that by law must treat Medicaid patients and must treat Medicare patients. And so part of the funding that comes into the payment, that's Medicare Part A. The secretary of HHS said last week that he would now include Medicare Part B. When you say Medicare Part B, that includes doctor services and other costs for people at 65 years of age. So let's say, so if a hospital treats anyone at the age of 65 or older or anyone who qualifies for Medicaid or CHIP or any other of the programs that are out there, if they receive that money and a, a physician is on their roster, practices, has rights to practice in their hospital credentials, and he refuses to, to, to do an abortion, that mm. hospital could lose all of its funding, not just the Part A, all Part B reimbursement as well.
1: Wow. All right, is there any kind of pushback that uh, can be done by state, either governors or legislatures inside of states against this? Uh, I know that right now we've got disappointing news that came yesterday about Joe Manchin's kind of caving in on this issue of this next tax increase, which is going to just further our our, uh, ridiculous amount of spending that this administration has done. Uh, Is there anything at all that's on the horizon that you see, Dave, that can be done?
0: Now, when Donald Trump was president, and I'm not a Trump advocate, nor am I a Trump critic. I'm a nonpartisan who does public policy for a business, and we don't tell people how to vote. So my job is to try to be as, as objective as possible. I, like everyone else, have opinions, and I cast votes, which I don't tell people how I voted either but but so when i'm talking about Donald Trump i'm not talking for or against i'm giving you the facts
2: mm-hmm. the
0: trump administration rolled back any attempts to use hhs in such a fashion with this authority they saw what hhs was trying to do uh, in the prior administration and they worked hard to stop it and so the the president was careful to not let hhs get used this way but the authority was there. It's been there since Obamacare passed. As soon as Donald Trump left office, the Biden people began to ramp up the power of the administrative state. And so they have been trying to do this in other fields as well. This is where you see Merrick Garland attacking parents and and literally setting language in order to define parental involvement in local education as domestic terrorism and utilizing the Justice Department by simple fiat of the administrative state. Mm. And so when the administrative state using federal agencies begins to make the law or enforce laws that aren't passed by Congress but are political agendas of the White House, the question is, how do you stop them? How do you stop them? Well the first thing you gotta be Mike is you got to be aware of the fact that this is what they're doing. Yeah. These articles came out, Mike, the articles about HHS and healthcare and medicare a and b came out and i've got to tell you i've been tracking the stories almost no one in the mainstream media has covered it at all
1: that's exactly right the heritage
0: foundation came up with it yeah. because the heritage, yeah i mean it's, it's it's i mean our people are going nuts behind the scenes tracking the facts and trying to talk to members of congress members of congress don't even know what's going on
1: well then that's so at least one thing. thing that can happen, right? I mean, the whole language issue, if people were to start calling congressmen, would that be a help? It, it seems like it would. It
0: would be a great help and say, What is HHS trying to do on abortion? That's all you have to ask. And your member of Congress and the 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 aide that you talked to is probably gonna say, We don't really know. And you simply say, well, would you mind looking into it? Because it's flat-out terrifying. I haven't heard this covered on Fox News, and I don't watch Fox News 24 hours a day, so I don't know. I haven't seen it on their site of any substance. Uh, AP hasn't picked it up. Washington Post hasn't picked it up. This is the kind of stuff yeah. that it is is—it is frightening. And, and it should be scary. And this is what we're trying to stay up with. We have been trying to stay up with for over 42 years now. This is not a problem we can't solve, but this shows you the danger of what happens when authority is transferred away from the people into the administrative state. It can be manipulated by conservatives or by
2: liberals.
1: Wow, that is scary. All right. And to think, you know, I, I, I've got this picture in my mind of Laurel and Hardy looking at each other, and you hear these words, well, this is another fine mess that you got me into. I feel that that's where we are right now. I feel like America's in a huge mess, and we've got to, it's like getting stuck in that proverbial bag, and you got to find the, the way out of it. And that's what we got to yeah. do. we got to get our way out of this thing.
0: Well, we can, and, uh, and, and I believe that we will. And it's a lot simpler than people think because it really requires simply going back to the basics. But I'm not going to kid with folks because to get those basics back in order means we have to make some personal changes about how we spend our time our talent and our treasure.
1: Well, I want to talk about that because I've been listening to your program and it has been, Dave, nothing less than being on fire. And uh, that whole issue about social media, how we spend our time, all we do, we've got to talk about that in the next segment. My guest is Dave Zanotti from The Public Square. American Policy Roundtable will be right back. If you are nearing 65 years of age and need to compare Medicare supplement plans, here is great news. You can speak to a licensed professional independent insurance agent at Affordable One Insurance in Orlando. You'll find them to be so trustworthy and helpful. And at Affordable One, there is no cost or obligation for your call. Comparing plans can be confusing. Get the help you need at Affordable One. Call 407-965-4166. 407 If you've considered the natural beauty of a wood floor, then go with a winner. Ability Wood Flooring has been a trusted source and family-owned and operated since 1950. Ability Wood Flooring is voted best of the best and are featured on A&E's Zombie House Flipping. Ability proudly works with Florida's top builders, winning many awards in the Parade of Homes. Get a free design consultation today. AbilityWoodFlooring.com E.C. Waters Air Conditioning and Heat serves all your comfort needs. With over 40 years experience, E.C. Waters is a top trained comfort specialist, earning customers for life with integrity. No wonder EC Waters Air Conditioning and Heat has earned a 4.6 or higher out of 5 rating and reviews across all major online platforms. For all your comfort needs, call 407-603-9144 or visit ecwaters.com. We are off and rolling with segment two. On the line with me, my friend Dave Zanotti from the Public Square. Uh, Dave, just uh, if people just tuned in, they're going to have to go back and listen to the podcast. The stuff that you shared about the hidden agenda that was planted way back when we were all given that uh, those famous words from Nancy Pelosi. We need to vote it in the law to see what's inside the law. And that's exactly what they did. They didn't read this thing, but they knew what they were doing that they knew. And they just passed it way back in 08, 09, This thing has now been there And we have language inside Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act, that basically has smuggled in—you tell me if I'm wrong on this—but they've smuggled in more authority than people would realize is there to pass their administrative desires. Is that not right?
0: Yes, Mike, it was a plan. Now, Obamacare was passed with the intent for it to fail. The policy, the procedure of the Affordable Care Act was a giant transfer of authority from your life, your doctor, your hospital, your insurance company, to the Department of Health and Human Services. It was like a giant steam shovel came in and literally pulled up all the foundations of the decision-making and moved them and dropped them in HHS. Wow. That's in essence what it was. When Melanie Nelsey and, and myself, our National Legislative Director, when we read the ACA the first time and then the second time, we counseled and said this, has, this bill will never be implemented in its actual procedural pieces and parts. It is a transfer of authority so that the program will fail, and when the program fails, it will be the premise to move in nationalized health care because they've already moved all the authority for the decision-making into HHS the procedures like for example they came out with a website the website collapsed in its entirety after spending hundreds of millions of dollars in 30 days they didn't care about that they didn't uh, care about that yeah because they already had the authority they also promised us that it would never touch the question of legalizing abortion or funding for abortion that was promise was completely broken mm-hmm. just in the last few days yeah when HHS said that from this point forward, based in the name of anti-discrimination, anyone who attempts to stop healthcare treatment in, in regards to uh, a woman's reproductive rights, this is their language now, will be accused of discrimination and therefore lose their Medicaid plan A, or excuse me, their Medicaid uh, uh, reimbursement funding as well as their Medicare plan A and plan B. Like wow. these are statements that have no anchors and definitions in law. This is absolute administrative mischief and intimidation. And all of this is going to be a situation where the government acts, penalizes, prosecutes, penalizes, and the only way people are going to be able to defend themselves, whether it's a hospital or a doctor or an individual patient or a community or an insurance company, is to litigate against Mm -hmm. HHS. Now, let's remember, this is not what Congress passed. This is what the Secretary of HHS, how they are defining the authority they were given in the Affordable Care Act, Mm -hmm. because Congress never wrote any language about this scenario. There's nothing there. They're making it all up now, assuming they have the authority. And if you want to stop them, You've got to come and take it away from them. Now, Congress should immediately act, completely rebuff HHS for this, and say there's no way you will do any of this. But you know what, Mike? You're not going to hear a peep from
1: Congress. Uh, Not even the Republicans that would say that that they're against this. Is that what you're saying? And here's
0: why. Let's go back to the last year of John McCain's life when he decided when – the, when the Republicans had the House, the Senate, and the White House in 2017, they moved to mostly repeal, removing almost all the language of Obamacare from the United States code, which would have eliminated this problem because it would have canceled out what was done. And the authority that had been placed in HHS would have gone back into the healthcare system and back to individuals and doctors and
1: et cetera. And states, yeah.
0: Came to a vote. It was passed the House. The president was ready to sign the bill, came to the Senate, and John McCain stood on the floor. Republican John McCain stood on the floor of the Senate, walked up with all the cameras watching gave a Roman Empire thumbs down and voted against the repeal of Obamacare. Wow. Republicans kept Obamacare on the books because of a radical progressive who masqueraded as a Republican his whole career, Yeah, John McCain. Yes. And now we have a Senate that's 50-50, and we are not going to see a remedy to this until... That Senate changes, and, and we've got to be careful because just because Republicans may take the House in November doesn't mean that they'll have the courage to look at what they've done, unearth all of the ugliness, and clean this mess up and stop the insanity.
1: So that's uh, really the call that we have to have people in there, not only in the House, but in the Senate, who are going to act correctly, who are going to actually follow through. I know that's got to have driven you crazy in all these years. I think if I remember correctly, you've been at this for 42 years. So that's, yeah. that's more than what uh, a lot of our, uh, our, our people that are uh, speaking out about this in the news media, they haven't even been alive, a lot of them, that long. And yet they're telling us they're actually willingly complicit in a lot of this stuff that's going on in the news media. And they're not, they don't have any conscience at all about what is actually law, what is actually in the, the Constitution. They don't care. This is something that is, they've bought into it. And this process is going on. We hear that phrase, rhino, Republican in name only. And that is, that is exactly what McCain was. He was in name, but was, in terms of voting philosophy, he was a, a progressive leftist, correct?
0: He's a radical progressive. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. And, and there are radical progressives in the House and the Senate today across both parties. Mike, we face this dilemma. We have lost, but we can recover it now. We have not lost permanently. But we've lost our common knowledge of how the Constitution works and why. we have. And we've lost our anchor definitions of the worldview of the Declaration. That's the first part. We don't know what we don't know. The good news is both those documents you can read in less than a half an hour start to finish Mm -hmm. in totality. We can carry them in our pockets. We can recover that knowledge. The second problem that we have is there's three problems, actually. The second is in the lack of that knowledge, the administrative state or the bureaucrats who work in Washington, D.C. 247 have seized a phenomenal amount of power, and Congress has let them do that. Right. And then the third problem is we are completely dominated by a two party structure that was never designed to be the way we do business, was, was despised by both President Washington and John Adams. They warned us to not do this. And most people think there's nothing you can do about. It. That is a huge mistake. Now we have to as personal believers who believe in love of neighbor and in liberty and the self-defense of people's liberties, particularly the innocent and the unborn, we have to overcome these obstacles. First, our ignorance. Second, the mess that we're in, and third, we have to overcome the political parties so that we bring people back into public office who will come back to the Constitution, the Declaration, and do their jobs. Mm. Now, that's not a small task, Mike.
1: I know. It isn't.
0: And if we walk away and say it's too hard, it's impossible, you can kiss the liberty of your children and grandchildren goodbye.
1: That's for sure. Now, you know, this rise of the people, which is really what needs to take place, when I think about that, one of the examples, and I'd love your thoughts on this, I think most people, if they were uh, asked a question that would go along the lines of when or what group can you think of that has been a grassroots group, Uh, most people would think the Tea Party. Do you think that there is a ability for this year for such a movement to rise?
0: Well, um, with respect to the people that are involved still and who were involved in the Tea Party, um, it, they made a, a substantive contribution, but this must go way beyond reaction and way beyond protest. Mike, what we need is a movement of public service. A restoration in the Christian mindset that loving God and loving my neighbor means caring about my neighbor's garbage pickup. Mm -hmm. Caring about the water treatment of my and the air quality of my neighbor's home and environment. Not invading his space, but caring. It means caring about the education that my neighbor's kids are getting, even if I don't have kids in school, or my kids are in private school or homeschool, or I don't have kids at all. It means learning that love of neighbor means loving the, the price of bread my neighbor has to pay and the price for gasoline. Loving my neighbor means caring about his liberty and potentiality to become all that God has called him to be as much as I care about my own. Mm-hmm. Which means we've got to become public servants again. Now, in the founding era, public service was much easier to rally to because if we didn't build this country and sustain this country for the first fifty years, the British were happy to come back and take it over again, or the French, or the Spanish. There was a consistent attempt, or or, or Mexico, a consistent attempt to fight and beat down this new country. So, public service was a matter of self-defense, and it was much more understood. Now, it's a matter of love of neighbor because. Most people in America are getting along just fine, thank you very much, and they just as soon mind their own business, do their own thing, and be left alone.
1: Right. <laughs> That's so Church true. We've fallen
0: into this. Yeah. We've fallen into this idolatry, Mike, and we've got to come out of it.
1: Uh, now, we mentioned at the end of segment one about the personal uh, impact uh, in this culture. And one of the things that uh, almost everyone is into is social media. And on the public square, you guys have been having just unbelievable discussions that I don't hear anywhere else about uh, the dangers of uh, especially Christian people involved in things like Facebook, other social media. And you've come to some personal uh, I guess you could say convictions and decisions on your own, and you're not one to put what you do. And you, I know all of that. You don't put it out there like we should, because you are. That's not even part of your makeup, man. But there are warnings out there about social media that we need to be aware of. Why don't you help us on that?
0: Well, it's it's real simple. As an organization, we were told years ago that the introduction of of social media platforms. And these shared um, open source platforms were going to transform the world of nonprofits in a fantastic way. And for about mm, 30 days, we we played around with that fantasy being real. I, I was on Facebook for 45 minutes before I got back off again. Wow! This was years ago. Because everything in it told me something was wrong about this. And then Even a 45-minute experience proved to me that that was true. We have to understand that the people that own these platforms have turned the users into their slaves. We are the batteries in their systems by which they are making astronomical amounts of money by scraping our data, taking over our data, selling our very identities out in a marketing spectrum. And in the process, creating a tremendous amount of authority, pseudo-authority in our culture, that what's happening on social media defines reality. That is absolute nonsense. We should not be conformed to the image of Mark Zuckerberg Mm -hmm. or to the image of how many Twitter followers a person has. This is nothing but idolatry. And churches that are using these platforms, thinking that it's made our lives easier and everybody's on them, so we don't have a choice, needs to understand something. Every one of your congregants that you encourage to be involved in social media is now being exploited in an electronic form of human trafficking. Mm. Their information is being brokered and distributed along with their privacy. And every pastor and every church authority that's encouraging that and using it is a part of the trafficking.
2: Hmm. Mm
1: that's a hard one to hear and it's it's uh really reaches down into just about every heart every person that i know you know they've either they're on twitter they're on facebook uh they're on instagram but the dangers are now like you said in uh, segment 1 we were talking about all this is happening your words were plain sight it's happening right now in plain sight this whole thing of algorithms that are really aimed at finding out what people click on and then uh, like a funnel effect, if you will, of more videos that would match that algorithms come flooding in and you wonder where did this come from? And it's because (laughs) they are, they're getting to know us quite well, aren't they?
0: Like it's a tragedy and look uh, people that are just a little bit older are going to remember there was life before the smartphone.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Now, I'm not suggesting that the uh, digital technology that we now have in mobile devices isn't fantastic. I couldn't be talking to you right now without that technology because that's what I'm using right now. It's not that the fundamental concept of the technology in the digital era is evil. No, not at all. But there have been people that have risen to power tremendous, hundreds of billions of dollars of power who now exist solely to manipulate the system and to manipulate people to create a perfection culture no one can ever reach, and an exclusionary culture that says, if you're not a part of this, you don't exist. Now, that's that's against the entirety of the Christian gospel.
1: Mm -hmm. That's why I took Facebook off my phone, Dave. Is because I felt that it was it was something that was enslaving, and just out of just bad habits, you just get into it It happens very quickly. But I've been so free
0: well, Mike, since we pulled our entire organization off of social media. Period. Mm. And people said you just doomed yourself to absolute failure. And from the minute that we did, we began to grow in ways that were far more about quality than quantity.
1: Oh, that is so great. I'm talking right now to Dave Zanotti from The Public Square, whose opinion means so much to me. And I know it, they, it means so much to a lot of listeners as well. We'll be back with Dave for one more quick segment. Don't go away. This is Afternoons with Mike.
2: If you need help with your bookkeeping but can't
0: afford to hire a full-time employee, The Good Books Company is your answer. The Good Books Company is a total bookkeeping solution. Working with most industries and offering a free, no-obligation discovery session, The Good Books Company can help you clean up and catch up on all your bookkeeping needs. Visit them at goodbooks.com. That's goodbooks.com. Or call 321-356-0774.
2: That's 321-356-0774.
1: Palm Beach Atlantic University, Orlando offers three distinct areas of study, an evening Master's of Science in Clinical Mental Health Counseling, an evening Bachelor's of Science in Human Services, and our new Daytime Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. All of our courses are offered at our beautiful campus on Millennia Boulevard. For more information or to schedule a tour, call 844-PBA-ORLANDO. That's 844-PBA-ORLANDO. Are you looking for the right franchise to open your own business? Green Flag Franchise has the experience and knowledge to help match your business plan with your goals and values. Is your business ready to become a franchise? Green Flag Franchise will help you explore the potential and benefits of franchising your existing company. For a free consultation and coaching, visit GreenFlagFranchise.com. That's GreenFlagFranchise.com. Back again with Dave Zanotti on Afternoons with Mike. Dave is uh, the host of a very important program that runs several times across the network called The Public Square. And of late, their shows have been so critically important. We're dealing with things that really have to do with the impact of our culture, on our own personal lives. Now, we've talked about a lot of things today. I want to go back and review one thing that is so important. We talked about it in segment one, and there there is something that we can do to battle this whole thing of uh, HHS's attempt to kind of uh, come in and take over, hijack, if you will, all the good things that have happened with Roe v. Wade's overturning and, uh, and they're, they're trying to now elicit an administrative kind of state, an administrative type of regulation. And Dave, you said what we need to do is contact all of our authorities, all, all of our legislators, let's say it that way, all of our elected officials in Congress and say, are you aware of what HHS is doing right now with regards to abortion, right? Right.
0: That's exactly right, Mike, and and it's an interesting question to raise. Let me give you an example. Florida has fortunately uh, passed laws uh, regarding what happens when Roe v. Wade falls, and it has, and so Florida laws have gone into effect. HHS could immediately cancel those laws out claiming that they're discriminatory. And by saying that they're discriminatory, they could then, according to their own uh, intentions and designs, Revoke Medicaid and Medicare Plan A and Part A and Part B reimbursement to doctors, hospitals, insurance companies, and the states. So they're basically saying we are going to pull the string and remove any federal dollars that come to, into the healthcare process. We're going to remove those dollars by saying we control Medicaid and Medicare, therefore. We consider anything that is pro-life as discriminatory against women. That's, in essence, the legal legal pot from which they're, they're drawing this source. Now, that's never been done before, and it will have to be litigated to the nth degree. So they'll say they're going to do it, which they've already said. They'll start to do it, which they're getting ready to do, and then – You'll have to stop them in court. So not only will you lose all the funding, but now you'll have to create a hundreds of millions of dollars of litigation to stop the government unless our feckless Congress would stand up and say, you can't do that. That's not what Obamacare was designed to do. You're way outside your lane. These issues, these, these regulations are all now null and void, period, end of conversation. But that's not going to happen before January of next year at best. So how much precedent, how much punishment can they get in the pipeline before Congress even has a chance to catch up with them? And then the question becomes, would Congress catch up with them at all?
1: And that's an important question. Yeah, that's a big question. Yeah.
0: We may be at this for a few years, so it may take a few elections to get enough constitutionalists who will take a stand and overcome anyone in Congress who hasn't read Obamacare. Who doesn't understand what the administrative code is? Who doesn't understand what the Constitution says about the separation of powers and the responsibility of Congress, particularly when it comes to the spending of federal tax dollars? Mike, we've got to find people who run for office that are willing to read these documents and understand their job.
1: Yeah, yep.
0: Yeah. This, this, be- re- this regards the the General Assembly uh, or the, the the legislature in Florida as well, because. When HHS comes against Governor DeSantis and against the legislature and against the Florida laws, we have to have people in Florida that are going to stand up and say, "Hey, you know what? We'll see you in court. We're not going to do what you tell us to do."
1: Mm-hmm. Now, then, if if it goes all the way to the the Supreme Court, how how do you feel that that would handle, by be oh, handled that by them?
0: It's an extremely fascinating question because people can say, "Well, wait a second. The court just struck down Roe versus Wade. They're not going to let HHS reinstitute it. Ah, but wait. This court returned the authority of the decision back to the people and to their representatives as a means of constitutional redress of the crisis. Mm -hmm. This is a constitutional-minded majority, and the constitutional-minded majority is going to look at Obamacare that was passed. By the House and Senate. They're going to look at the open ended pieces that were left by intentional design of the votes of Congress to empower HHS. And they may say to the American people, you let your Congress pass this piece of junk. Now you live with it Mm. because we're not going to fix your problem. If you want to fix it, you better elect people who will represent you and change it because we're not writing law from the bench that would be actually the correct decision yes. from the court to
1: and kind that's of what just
0: likely to get from the 6
1: justice majority it's uh, so easy isn't it to kind of get into that mindset that you just want those uh, nine judges to vote or justices to vote and fix everything. I mean, that is the simple fix. I think most Americans would just like to say, yeah, let's get it done. Let's move on. Uh, Let's watch baseball. I mean, (laughs) that's the kind of reality that we're having to see, that it's going to be a long fight. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And we need to uh, be involved as the people, and it's going to take people getting out of their comfort zone And becoming representatives, and that's exactly what we're praying for in our country right now, in our state right now. We're praying for it, and that's a big call, isn't it?
0: Well, and it is, but it's not a call call without hope. I mean, we constantly have to ourselves (laughs) for a lifetime turn to Psalm thirty-seven and Psalm seventy-three and read those psalms about how much God knows, He cares, He sees and how active he is on earth for the purposes of justice and righteousness. It's important for us to understand that the God we see in the Psalms, the God of the Old Testament, the God who was speaking in the context of his covenant relationship with one people that he had called out to be his message bearers on earth through the nation of Israel, that that is the same God of the New Testament and that this God of the New Testament did not disappear when Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: But in essence, Jesus Christ has come that all people now may share in the redemption of this creator God who loves righteousness and justice and kindness and practices them on earth. We have to remember this is God's world, not ours. We're the renter's He's the landlord, and he cares more about justice than we do. That's what we have to remember. Then we have to remember, in the words of the Great Commission, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. That includes the authority over everything we've talked about on the radio today.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: He is in charge of all the ultimate final justice in regards to all of these matters. All authority belongs to him therefore, he says, therefore, that therefore is huge, because all authority has been given unto him. His arms are open to the world to find mercy, forgiveness, and salvation, oh, thank and God. justice on yeah. earth,
2: Yeah,
0: even though we'll never attain full justice on earth until there's the eradication of sin, because we're all sinful and we make mistakes. This is not Christian utopianism. It's not Christian nationalism. It's the reality that there is a God and we are not him. And he has said, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And then here's the part. We're to teach Jesus and all he teaches, which is to teach The biblical role of civil government and love of neighbor. That's a part of what he taught, Mike.
1: Right. And it's
0: a part of what he taught through the entire Old Testament, where not one jot nor tittle will fall away until all is fulfilled in him. Right. And then he says, and lo, I am with you all the days to the very end of days. Mm -hmm. We have to remember in the midst of so much darkness. That Jesus, the Light of the World, is here. He is with
1: us. Cindy and I were reading uh, just uh, in Psalm 4 yesterday morning in our prayer time, and, and what we're talking about reminds me of it. Listen to this: so this a uh, Psalm of David, Psalm chapter 4. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O oh men, how long shall my honor be turned to shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. He does, and there is great hope, isn't there?
0: Mike, we are not alone. We are not a part of a minority. We are not a part of a a segmented group of people that are destined to be persecuted or exiled or punished. This is God's world, and we are His people on earth. Not perfect. We're not Jedis. We're not in sinless perfection. We are humans clinging to the blood-stained cross of Christ Mm -hmm. for our only hope And we know his redemption by his mercy and grace, but we are his workmanship on earth. We are here as his agents and his ambassadors, and he is here. We're not alone. When he ascended, he sent the Holy Spirit to come and live within us. And we are here to be light, and we are here to be salt, and we are here to serve others that they may know him. Yes, This is what must be restored in our community, is the power of the Holy Spirit that works through us, that we would love and serve each other. And it starts very local, and it ultimately moves in every arena. It doesn't matter whether you're your CEO of a giant financial institution or whether you sweep the floor at the bank. You're his change agent for good because he lives in you.
1: May revival begin in our own hearts first and in the hearts of his church, the churches that we're a part of. Dave, what's happening right now in the next uh, couple of days or the next couple of weeks for people at APR?
0: Well, people at APR are going nuts (laughs) trying to get the word out on this stuff. But we're also turning now, we're getting through the primary seasons, which have been very difficult. We're getting through the primary seasons where people begin to focus on the general election. And iVoters.com will be there to help people see where candidates stand on the issues across the board. Nonpartisan, we don't tell people who to vote for. We just let you know where you can find enough information to vote with confidence from the Statehouse to the White House. So we've got this opportunity ahead of us. So we're going to be continuing to pray for those in authority over us to shed as much light as we can and then to make as much impact as we can.
1: Give us the website for that again, iVoters.
0: Sure. iVoters.com. It's that simple. Wow! You can always find yeah. more information about us at ThePublicSquare.com.
1: ThePublicSquare.com. Again, this is Dave Zanotti with me today. Dave leads the American Policy Roundtable, and it is that. I mean, when we talk about a roundtable discussion, that's what's so enjoyable. We're talking about some of the, uh, I believe, the best and most important issue discussions that is out there in media today. And We both know, Dave, that there's not a lot. Uh, I'm thank God for Christian radio, for talk radio that is uh, open to the Constitution, and most importantly, open to the Word of God. And you guys fit all of those uh, descriptions. You check all of those boxes. I'm so grateful for you, Dave, and thank you for being with me today.
0: Thanks, Mike. It's a privilege, and I certainly appreciate everything that's happening. Um, through Mark Communications and through the Shepherd Radio Network and all of your affiliates
1: because y'all are making a difference and we appreciate it. Well, God bless you. And friends, thank you for joining us today. We'll see you next time right here on Afternoons with Mike.